Welcome to Creatively Human, a podcast for online business owners and creatives that goes beyond the work and dives deep into why we do what we do, the struggles and wins we face along the way, and how we fit it all into the kind of life we want to live. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, and I help creatives grow their businesses in ways that fit around their life and values. Today's chat is with Eloise Rickman, who is just the perfect example of running a business that completely revolves around what matters to you. In this interview, we discuss why her peaceful parenting blog, coaching and community is so important to her and how she hopes that it can change the world and not just for the parents she works with. We also talk about how she sets boundaries around her work when it's so closely tied into her family life and the importance of kindness and non-judgment in everything she does. Whether you're a parent or not, I think you'll find Eloise's story and interview really interesting. I am Eloise. I'm a writer, a parent educator, and I guess I call myself a peaceful parenting coach, although um, I'm never really sure on what the correct title should be. Um, And I live in London with my husband, Sam, and our three-year-old daughter, Frida, who we are planning on home educating. And I work with parents to help them find more ease and joy in their parenting, I suppose, um, and supporting them to move away from what I would call kind of mainstream models of parenting, um, things like timeouts, lots of praising, reward, punishments, naughty steps, um, and helping them to move towards a kind of a life with their children that's based on more connection, more empathy, more kindness, um, and kind of modeling being a more authentic human, I suppose. Um, so, and I do this with working with parents through courses. So I currently run three online courses. Um, I also have a membership group called The Peaceful Home and I work with clients on a one-to-one basis as well. So both long-term, but also over kind of just one-to-one calls. Um, And I got into doing this. This is a bit of a career change for me. So before I had Frida, our daughter, I was working as a senior press officer in a government department. Um, So quite different Mm. and not especially compatible with family life and although I think the civil service in the UK has quite rightly a good reputation for being a good family employer um, I think that didn't really translate to the press office which is typically quite a male dominated um, quite a kind of high paced high stressed environment and I did consider going back to that job after having our daughter but um, my heart wasn't really in it and it was a combination of that plus um, the management of that team also not being especially enthusiastic <laughs> towards my requests to work part-time and more flexibly and so my husband and I took the slightly terrifying decision that I wouldn't go back to work and at that point I really had no idea what I was going to do the plan was always that I would work at some point doing something Um, and I knew that I wanted to do a job that was more flexible but also gave me more connection with people because that's something that I had really enjoyed in that job and it's interesting actually I was talking to my husband about this not so long ago I'd suddenly remembered that um, I think it was in senior school so I must have been between the ages of kind of 11, 12 and 16, um, 
and we did a career aptitude test online. And this is kind of, you know, before all these um, wonderful personality tests that you get now. And I remember doing it and it told me that I should be a religious leader, which coming from somebody who is, um, you know, heavily agnostic, if not atheist, (laughs) when it comes to faith, um, I found very funny at the time. But actually now, what I find quite interesting is I was saying to him, well, you know, those kind of characteristics of being a religious leader, um, having kind of community and um, supporting people, maybe through helping them find something which gives more meaning to their lives and which supports them. And actually, I think, you know, maybe if you look at a community vicar or pastor, a lot of what they do is probably around um, just supporting families and building a community. And so I thought that was quite a nice analogy for what I do. Um, And yeah, so after Frida was born, I um, started reading more about parenting and started writing a parenting blog and at the beginning, it was um, it wasn't kind of started with any aim in mind. I think I just felt like I think a lot of parents do um, kind of these deep creative urges after mm. Frida was born, which didn't really have a place to go. So I started blogging and just kind of blogging about my life with a young child and what we got up to. And gradually that audience built and I started writing more and more about peaceful parenting as opposed to just kind of documenting what we were getting up to. And at the same time, I also trained to be a birth coach. So I um, trained as a doula and also as a hypnobirthing teacher and was doing that work. Um, But it didn't, it felt like, again, it wasn't, I really enjoyed the work itself. So working with the families and the results that um, those families were getting and I got great feedback and I really enjoyed that connection with those families. But it felt like it was a frustratingly short amount of time to have an impact on their lives. So you'd work mm. together typically over just a weekend or over a few evenings, and then that would be it and you wouldn't hear about them again. So that felt quite frustrating, but also because of the nature of work, it would take me away from home for quite long chunks of time and it was quite unpredictable. And so again, when I was doing it, I kind of felt like, okay, well maybe this isn't the end, the end goal. But this is kind of, you know, it's definitely hitting those needs and it's getting closer. Um, And then it sounds, this is probably a really frustrating thing to hear from a business owner, but it kind of just happened really organically. Mm -hmm. Um, I continued writing my blog and kind of slowly growing a bit of a community and an audience. And I was getting some nice feedback and some nice emails from people who would read my blog and feel that it had a positive impact on their lives and started getting messages from people saying, well, you know, have you ever thought about maybe running some workshops or doing some courses? And um, around the same time, so earlier this year, I did a course with Ray, who I know is your first first (laughs) guest on the blog, who is wonderful. And after having a pretty challenging year last year, I decided that something needed to shift. So I'd had a number of miscarriages and just felt in a really weird place where I didn't quite know what I was doing with my life. And I think that Um, going through those miscarriages made me feel a level of uncertainty that I hadn't really expected. I kind of felt like I had to really second guess my body and my Mm. expectations and um, also relinquish the control that I think I had up until then thought I could have over my life. So I did a course with Ray, um, which I really enjoyed doing. And it got me to kind of start thinking about, okay, well, what do I really want from my work and from my life? And how can I tie those things together? And so I took the plunge to start offering 
some courses and the rest as they say is history yeah it's lovely that it happened that way like so organically as you said and you found your way by listening to what people thought about your blog and to what they talked to you about and you've I guess you've just figured out what feels good to you Yes, I'm quite a, um, a canvas is such a, a cheesy word, probably, but um, I'm quite instinctive in the way that I do things, which I think can also feel um, frustrating and maddening to those who are on the outside looking yeah. in. Um, but I'm, I'm quite a strong believer in just going with my gut. And if it feels good, I'll just do it um, to the point where, you know, if I have an idea that comes to me and it feels really right, I'll just jump into doing it. Um, but I think, yeah, kind of trusting my gut and listening to what it was telling me when it came to doing this work. It's interesting because I was reflecting back recently after listening to, I'm trying to think about what it was. I was listening to another podcast, um, geared more towards people who were starting businesses up for the first time. And I was thinking that there's something very different about, um, kind of growing a blog and growing a social media presence organically when you're not trying to hustle at that point um because there's much less pressure and I think that if I was building it all from scratch now maybe it would have quite a different feel to it um and in some ways that would maybe be good because maybe it would be slightly different branding um but equally I think doing that and allowing myself to have the space to build that presence without the pressure at that point of wanting anything from it apart from just some creative fulfillment um, I think that has allowed me to build community from a really authentic place, which is really precious. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You were literally doing it for the love of it. And it's just gone from there. I wanted to ask you a bit about your big why for what you do, because you have a really interesting perspective and um, philosophy about it. So yeah, tell me, tell me more about your big why. <laughs> it is a big why. So um, <laughs> as I said, so I am um, I work in peaceful parenting and I believe quite passionately that peaceful parenting can be a really radical act. And for me, the more that I think about this stuff and the more that I read about it and the more that I work with parents, I feel very strongly that actually the only way that we can really hope to see real change in this world is through changing the way that children are raised and changing the way that we parent our children. Um, so for me, although it started as a kind of a personal interest in terms of wanting to find the best way to raise our daughter for our family, I feel like my work is kind of social justice work rather than anything else. Um, and I think that, you know, we're in such a critical time at the moment where we're really going to need to see some big changes happening in the world. You know, there are devastating reports coming out about climate change. Um, we still live in a society which is just desperately unequal. And that's only going to get worse, I think. And, you know, there have also been in the media lots of, you know, there are constantly lots of stories around um, women and kind of sexual abuse from more powerful men. And I feel like all of these things, it's it's maybe too simplistic to say, well, they're all because of parenting. But equally, I think it's very difficult to say that, um, you know, men should be less abusive or women should be able to exert their con their consent more when children are raised in a way that maybe doesn't um, honour their humanity and their consent when they're younger. So a good example of this is, um, for example, having a child who shouts at their parent and then the parent shouts back you know don't shout at me 
And I think it's about kind of looking at what we are modeling to our children. So as parents, we have a lot more power than our children. You know, that is kind of obvious. But how we choose to use that power really matters. So if we use our power to control what our children are doing, to use that to kind of arbitrarily punish or praise our children and to try and shape them, then children will learn that if you have more power, you can use that to get people with less power to do what you want. Um, So some of this stuff can be quite confronting. But I think that it's really vital to start engaging with it if we want to see this kind of change in the world. And there's a quote, which I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with, um, which says feminism is a radical notion that women are human beings. And I think that this is kind of the essence of peaceful parenting, really. It's that peaceful parenting is a radical notion that children are human beings. And, you know, there is lots of really interesting research around how we view children as a society and the way that we speak to children um, and the way that we kind of engage with them. And I'm really heartened to see at the moment that there is, you know, a growing recognition that actually how we treat our children has such a profound impact on the kind of people that they grow up to be and the kind of people um, that they show up as in the world. So my hope, I suppose, is that on a on a wider level, um, that I can be part of that movement to create a more peaceful childhood for children, which will then have positive and beneficial impact on wider society. Um, and on a slightly smaller level, it's you know, I've kind of seen firsthand from working with families what a difference it can make to their lives as well to have a more um, relaxed relationship with their children, to have more ease in their relationship, to have more joy. And I think often parenting young children can feel so thankless and so exhausting and so grueling. Um, And it's just about kind of supporting parents to actually show them that it doesn't have to always be so hard and that actually parenting can be really joyful and really fun. And of course, there's going to be hard bits to it. But um, I think by creating a space where parents feel more empowered to kind of really understand what's going on for their children, they can then respond with much more empathy and kindness, which then gets more positive responses. So it's both kind of bigger picture and smaller picture, I suppose. Um, and also the fact that I just really love this kind of work. I really enjoy working with families. I really enjoy kind of um, getting to read and research a lot and getting to kind of write that and communicate that in a way that people understand as well. So it feels like it ticks a lot of boxes for it me. It does. It ticks so many boxes. I love it. I love the whole philosophy. And I'm guessing the fact that you have this, I mean, you're so clear on on what you're doing it for that that in itself must help attract people to you because they share those same values and in a wider sense I think so and I think that um you know I feel very uh, very lucky in that my clients are basically completely awesome people <laughs> um and I think the fact that we all share that is um yeah it's it's really helpful for me and it also means that um most of the time, not always, but most of the time when people sign up to work with me, be it kind of one-to-one or on one of my courses, they've already started considering these sorts of issues. So it's not, um, you know, it's not the kind of 101 of why is parenting like this a good idea? Because normally they've kind of had some, they've already been thinking about this stuff and already been mulling it over. And they kind of often come to me ready to dig in and start making changes and start really, um, you know, thinking about their own work as people. Because I think that, um, 
I guess what I see a lot in the kind of parent coaching community, and this isn't necessarily saying that it's a bad thing, but I think it's just not for me is this idea that, okay, if you parent this way, this is how you're, you know, you can affect X change in your child Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, by doing this, you can stop this kind of um, undesirable behavior. But I think what I offer to my clients, I suppose, is much less of, um, a solution to help them tackle difficult problems with their children, but actually kind of a complete refocusing rather than thinking about their children, thinking about themselves as parents and how they show up to their children and how they show up as humans and the kind of role model that they want to be. So, yeah, I think that it's it's being clear on that message allows me to attract the kind of clients that I really want to work with, um, which is fantastic because I've worked with some really super people. Yeah. And um, I guess one of the ways that you start out working with them before they become paid clients is you have a, a Facebook group and it's very kind and non-judgmental. And I find that really interesting because you have such strong values behind it and it isn't exactly the mainstream way of thinking. So I suppose your community maybe provides people with somewhere to go that they may not have in in their real lives, people who share those values with them. Yes, I definitely think that's the case. And in fact, that's feedback that I've heard a lot, um, both from kind of paying clients and just people who enjoy being in that space. Um, I think a lot of the time, because this kind of parenting isn't mainstream, I think a lot of the time people can feel quite isolated parenting in this way from their friends, from their NCT pals, from their families. Um, It can be quite confronting. And I think when you choose to parent in a way that is different to the mainstream, often that can be met with kind of judgment and hostility because I think it can be quite a challenging thing for people to have to think of and maybe they're not ready to think about it yet. Um, But I have been delighted by just how kind of kind and non-judgmental that group is um and it's interesting actually kind of reflecting on this idea of not being judgmental because I think early on in my parenting journey with my daughter I think I did feel quite judgmental and I think that came from a place of um basically be just being completely exhausted so she didn't really sleep for the first 18 months of her life and I was beyond wrecked through tiredness and I think I felt like in order to kind of um, just keep going and to defend myself I had to feel like this was the only way I could possibly be raising her and that everyone else who wasn't raising their child in exactly the same way was somehow doing it wrong Um, and it's you know I've, I've kind of moved on a lot and I now kind of look back with horror (laughs) some Mm -hmm. of the things that I probably thought um but I think trying to be really compassionate and non-judgmental is really the heart of this you know if we want to be compassionate to children we have to remember that we're all children who have just grown up a little Mm -hmm. bit more you know I don't think there's a line um which separates children from parents you know we're all just humans trying to do the best and trying to get our needs met and make meaningful connections with other people Um, and I think that sometimes parenting can be one of those topics that really divides people and that can sometimes feel quite judgmental Um, but I would hope that we can start moving past that and you know I work with clients who are at all different stages of their parenting journeys and sometimes they have been thinking about these issues for ages and you know a very different stage and sometimes this is parents who have only just started to really consider these issues and I think that working with such a range of parents is 
also really just opened my eyes and allowed me to let go of lots of judgments as well. Um, you know, I'm still not perfect at it, but I think that by trying to lead an example and be very clear that actually, you know, we're all just doing our best here. I think again, you know, there are lots of, um, analogies to be made between this kind of work and feminism for example and other social justice work so in the same way that for example I wouldn't judge a woman on I'm trying to think of an example um for example having um cosmetic surgery you know it's not something I would choose to do but I would never judge a woman for choosing to have cosmetic surgery herself however that doesn't stop me taking deep, deep issue with the fact that the patriarchy has sold these messages to women that make them feel inferior based on their looks. And I guess it's the same way that I feel about parenting. You know, I would never judge a parent for making certain choices about how they wish to raise their child, um, even if those choices are something that I personally perceive to be non-ideal Um, What I do have a real problem with is the fact that in our society, parents are often really not supported well. They don't have a strong support network. Motherhood is really devalued um, in an enormous way that I think can really throw up a lot of issues for women's identities after we have children. Um, So I think that, you know, we deal parents and especially women often a really short, crappy hand. And then we expect them to be perfect parents on top of it um, and sell them again this idea. So I think you can you can still wish to have um, changes in society. And there are certainly a lot of changes I would like to see made around the way that children are raised in general without judging any particular family. And I think that has been a real, um, you know, that's, that feels to me very important in terms of what I do and why I do and so hopefully um that is reflected in my online communities as well oh definitely definitely um do you ever personally feel under pressure to be perfect because you're the one you know sharing your life and the the sort of ideal way that you believe that we could approach parenting do you ever worry that you have to be perfect or do you ever just feel like hiding away sometimes (laughs) yes all the time (laughs) um I do. And I think so. I guess this is kind of both um, online and in real life as well. So, um, you know, for example, sometimes I'll just be out at the park or out somewhere with Frida and someone will stop me and go like, oh, you know, I read your blog or I follow you on Instagram. And although that's really lovely, sometimes that can be a bit like, oh, okay you know, I I sometimes will worry. And I know that this is completely my story and nothing to do with this lovely person who stopped me. But I'll sometimes feel like, you know, well, are they just watching my parenting now? And are they scrutinizing how I am with my daughter? And I know this is a pressure that I put on myself, which, as I said, I'm sure isn't actually there. Um, But I mean, again, I think this is something that I'm trying to stare in the face a bit at the moment and trying to move past, because I do sometimes feel like when you're your own brand, you, you know, there's obviously a fine line. And I feel like because I have such a wonderful supportive community I do feel like I can kind of be myself online you know to an extent and that I can kind of share the good as well with the bad um but however you know at the same time it's still um you know I don't feel comfortable sharing everything that goes on in my life and it's that fine line I suppose when around sharing part of yourself but not too much and not so much that you don't feel comfortable um and what I found really hard I think is just creating those boundaries around social media um to not let it 
take over your life and trying to remind myself, okay, actually, you know what, like, although I have some really great friends, but I've met through social media, I now have to really see my social time spent on social media as work rather than just as fun. Um, So I've been trying to be much better at this and I've put in some boundaries in place around, for example, not using social media at weekends anymore. Um, Because I think you, you have to draw a line somewhere. Um, But equally I am kind of, you know, I still am fussy about what I share online. So you'll probably see, you might see it on my stories a bit more, but you know, on my Instagram grid, for example, um, you know, I am careful about the kind of photos I post online. I'm not going to post photos online of like, you know, piles of unfolded laundry Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, the like really dusty, messy corners of our home because, you know, that would be terrible business sense for me. Um, So it's, I think it's about learning where your boundaries are as a person and where your boundaries are as a business and where those two come together. And it's still something that I think I'm working on and will probably continue working on and trying to figure out. Um, And I mean, I'm sure you have similar views as well, because you're also the face of your work. But it's that question of, okay, well, how, you know, how much do I feel comfortable in sharing and how much do I not? And I would never want to portray a perfect life because I don't believe that anyone is perfect and I'm certainly not and our life isn't perfect but equally um you know just as I would in any work it doesn't mean that I also want to bear all of my you know my insecurities and deepest secrets either so yeah it's still a work in progress for sure yeah and um I was actually wondering do you have any boundaries about the things you share of your daughter online I do so for example um And again, I think it's about treating children so much of, I think so many things can be answered about just thinking, well, how would I treat this issue if it was another adult? Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, if my husband is a good idea, a a good illustration. So, you know, if my husband and I have a disagreement or, you know, we're working something out, you know, I'm not going to take to Instagram and share it with everybody because it's private and it belongs to us and it wouldn't be respectful of my husband to share that and that wouldn't feel good for me. So in the same way, you know, Frida is struggling with something um, that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good to me to share that um, in a specific way, you know, I might say more generally, um, you know, this is something that Frida has in the past struggled with, or, um, you know, for example, I'm very open about the fact that she slept very badly (laughs) for a very long time, because I feel like that actually it's really important for parents to know that they're not alone when they're going Mm -hmm. through that. Um, but equally if she has a really bad day and she's feeling really upset about something, I'm not going to post a photo to her, Um, to like my Instagram of her crying because you know again if my husband posted a photo of me on the internet crying because I'd had a bad day I would be so upset and I feel like we um, it's just about kind of extending the same courtesy to our children as we would about another adult really so my view is kind of you know if I wouldn't post this about my relationship with my husband I probably shouldn't post it about my daughter yeah yeah and I guess as she gets older she'll let you know what she feels comfortable with yeah I think so and Again, you know, it's one of those tricky issues because like, she is, um, her face is on my Instagram and obviously I've shared her name. Um, and this is because, you know, when I started writing my blog and when I joined Instagram, I wasn't doing it with a purpose in mind, with a business in mind. So it was just kind of sharing little snippets of my life. I didn't really think anyone would read apart from my mum. And because that shifted, you know, I think that actually if I was starting my business again from scratch today, I probably wouldn't include her name. I probably wouldn't 
share photos of her. Um, so I need to really have a think about how that will work going forward as well. But as you say, you know, when she's older, she'll be able to tell me much more confidently. And at the moment, I just have to take the kind of the best guess decision, really, based on what I think will will be the best for her. Um, but I do, you know, I do think it's just about being courteous and not shaming our children. Um, and, you know, there are things that I would share with friends that I wouldn't just go and share with for the wider world. And I think that's that's fine. Um, going back to the judgment thing for a second, do you ever encounter any judgment either from people online or from people in your real life about what you put out and your work? I have to be honest and say really no. Um, I think I've been very lucky that our, our family and friends are very supportive of how we've chosen to raise her. Um, and I think that this is a luxury that many of my clients don't have. Um, you know, obviously there have been certain things that maybe um, family members or friends have kind of raised an eyebrow at or be, been kind of uncertain about. But um, certainly if they've had deep uncertainties about it they haven't they've been polite enough not to share them with us um and no I actually really haven't um online I found just the online space so utterly supportive to be honest um and I think I also so not judgment but like there have been a couple of things where people have emailed me or written comments on my blog saying oh you know you've mentioned this but um you know maybe you should think about it in a different way so um and I really and that's something I really welcome. Um, and I kind of have tried to make that as clear as possible that, you know, if you feel like I'm not checking in with my privilege enough, or if you feel that I'm, um, you know, if you feel that I'm wrong about something, then I'm really open to discussion. And I think that's really important as well, because I think when you feel confident in the choices that you're making, when people challenge you, it doesn't feel so uncomfortable mm. I think if that makes sense because yeah. I feel like okay well I know that I can pretty robustly defend the choices that I've made and I can you know I can quote research to people and I can throw books at them and I can talk to them about my own experience so I kind of you know I welcome opportunities to share why I do what I do and why we've made the decisions that we've made um but no so I've been really lucky and I said I found the, the online world pretty supportive actually that's really great. Um, I'm going to shift gears a bit and ask you a bit about how how do you feel about running this business now that's kind of become a business in its own unique way alongside homeschooling your daughter? Both fantastic and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is really hard, I think, because those bits of your brain don't just switch off. So something that I've struggled with is, um, so at the moment, my husband... Um, was working four days a week, so compressed hours full time. So I had one day of childcare. And at the moment, he's taken a bit of time off to study. So he's around a little bit more, but is still kind of studying pretty much full time. So and the plan is that he will get um, another job kind of quite soon. It's not like I have um, full time hours to do this work, which again, I think is kind of both a blessing and a curse. I think having limited time to work makes me more creative because um, I'm not constantly having to dig for new ideas because I just couldn't, I wouldn't have time to do them all. So I feel like I'm constantly in a space of having more ideas than I have time for, which although can feel frustrating, I think is actually a really good place to be in. Um, and also I have to be quite um, ruthless with my time. So it really forces me to be more boundaried about what I say yes and no to. Um, 
it also means that I have to make decisions about prioritizing my time, which again, you know, so it's probably a good thing actually, because if I just had an infinite amount of time to do this work, I probably wouldn't focus it necessarily in all of the right places. But, you know, that said, so very definitely benefits, I think, actually, to running a business kind of um, not quite in the margins, but close to it. Um, But it can feel frustrating. And especially, you know, when there are busy moments of my work. So if I'm in the middle of launching a course or, um, you know, if I'm just going for a busy time, then sometimes I'll be checking my emails or applying to messages whilst I'm also hanging out with my daughter and that doesn't feel particularly good to me so this is one of the reasons that I've um kind of been more boundaried about saying I'm absolutely not going to use social media over weekends anymore and I think it's just a it's just something that I'll have to continue developing and shifting as her needs develop and shift as well but I do think it's um you know I think it's good for her that she gets to see a mum who does a job that she believes in and work that kind of lights her up and also because of the kind of work that I do you know it's not just that my clients learn from me but I'm learning from them all the time so she definitely gets a benefit of my work as well and gets the benefits of all of the books that I read and all of the podcasts I listen to and all the amazing conversations I have with my clients so it kind of works quite well um but the balance is always a tricky one I think and I always feel like I'm juggling lots of things and often the thing to um be dropped will often be um chores or you know cooking amazing meals Mm. or doing the cleaning or any of those things but um I'm okay with that at the moment yeah yeah. but it does feel hard and I think it does it does just make me want to run my business in a way that kind of again coming back to this intuitive idea run my business in a way that just makes sense for me so um I for example whenever I launch anything um I mean I'm quite lucky in that a few of my courses sell out very quickly anyway um so it's not a prolonged sales period but for example when I open membership up for my um membership group I have to do that just over a couple of days at a time because it's just too much admin work for me at the moment to do it otherwise and so I have to have these things focused into a short amount of time because that's just otherwise I would spend all of my life just doing admin for my business so I think, yeah, it's it's forced me to kind of be creative about how I use my time as well and the rules I have around my work. But this is a good thing about being self-employed is that you get to make those rules and make it work for you. Yeah, definitely. And I love the way you do your launches and you run your courses because it isn't necessarily how some people would tell you you should be doing it, but obviously it does work for you and that's how you need to do it. And you're right about it is a real you can see that it's really beneficial to your life the the way that your life is so so tied to your business your life values they all play out in your business but yeah I mean I'm in the same place as you with trying to figure out these boundaries and it's hard and I think it's an ongoing thing because you sometimes think that you've got it figured out and then something changes and then yeah yeah and I'm having the thing with social media at the moment I am at the time of recording I just deleted all my apps last weekend and actually it felt really really good to me so I think that that's something something that I need to incorporate into my business a bit more as well yeah it's it's hard isn't it and especially when I think there's so much like digital FOMO and so much fear that oh well you know if I'm not posting on this day maybe 
all of my audience will just forget about me somehow. And, you know, it's not something that I'm immune to. I'm very lucky in that I have, um, you know, as I said, some really amazing clients and I have some great clients who have kind of have done all my courses and have signed up to everything that I've done and have been really supportive of me in my journey. And I try and think about those people when I get those feelings of kind of FOMO um, and also just a feeling that, okay, if, if I don't post at the weekend and somehow that makes someone decide that they don't want to work with me, <laughs> then that's fine for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I obviously don't, I wouldn't have been a good fit for that person anyway. Yeah. So I think trying to be really authentic to what you want your life to be like and what you want out of your work. You know, I think it's, I, so um, something I come back to time and time and time again is um, I'm sure you know Tara Moore. Yeah, um, yeah. So a fantastic writer of Playing Big. And she, um, there's a quote of hers, which I have scribbled up onto my pin board above my desk. And she talks about you are the vessel of your work. Um, you know, and if you don't tune your instrument, you can't play as well. And I just come back to this over and over again when I'm a bit wobbly about my boundaries and thinking that actually, you know, because as you said, my life and my business is so intertwined. Um, I have to really kind of prioritize having those boundaries and looking after myself because if I don't my work will suffer and my how I show up for my clients will suffer but also how I show up as a daughter and as a um as a as mother and as a wife will kind of suffer as well so all of those things are really tied into for me and I think that's why I just try and prioritize self-care and boundaries as much as possible which is not something that comes naturally to me um because I find often enforcing boundaries quite uncomfortable right but it's something I'm trying to get better at doing and practicing makes it easier yeah and that's a really great quote that just puts it so well such a good reminder right I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up a bit now because we've been talking for a while it's been great I'm gonna ask you a couple of um parting questions before we go um the first one is what is one way that you have grown as a person since you started your business oh man Ruth this is such a difficult question (laughs) because I feel like I've grown in kind of every way I think for me um because I've been doing some kind of, I don't even know what the word would be, like self-growth, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> some inner, inner work on yeah. myself, essentially, um, since starting my business. I feel like those things are so intertwined for me because I couldn't show up to do the work that I do with my clients if I wasn't doing the work on myself as well. So I feel like I've changed in many ways, um, all for the better. I think the biggest one is that I have a, a real feeling in being capable that I maybe didn't necessarily have before. I think I told myself a lot of stories about my how as someone in the workplace. And it's only because I didn't have those anxieties around motherhood. Um, but I think I never, you know, I never saw myself as someone who would want to start a business. It happened kind of by accident. I never felt kind of, you know, the word entrepreneur still makes me shudder. Um, but actually learning that, you know what, I am capable of crafting work for myself that I enjoy and that is not just kind of enables us to live the life we want to live as a family, but also is work that feels kind of good to me and that I can do with integrity. So feeling that kind of capability around doing that, I think has been a real profound shift. Oh, that's brilliant. Really brilliant. And yeah, I totally agree. Running your own business. I mean, no matter what you do, it, it you if you want to get the best from it, you have to do a lot of work on yourself, a lot of yes. work, and especially in your line of work. Yeah. Okay, second question. What is the best part of your day? So for any listeners out there who um, 
who maybe struggle with mornings, please don't hate me because I'm really <laughs> not saying this in a smug way. Um, but I think actually, you know, mornings at the moment. Um, so I should preface this by saying I was never, ever, ever in my life before have been a morning person. I was always late for school every single day um, to the point where the friends I would walk to school with would often just go ahead without me and I would have to get on a bus um, you know I was late for work all the time we used to when I worked in the civil service we would do a, like a morning cuts meeting um, every morning where we would go through the overnight coverage and I was always late to that um, so mornings have not been my forte ever but now with my work and with um, my daughter, suddenly mornings have actually become a really good time for me. So what I tend to do is just get up um, when I wake up, which tends to be around six-ish. And um, I am in a habit at the moment of doing some journaling first thing in the morning and doing some reading. And then I normally try and catch up on my emails a bit as well. Then my daughter wakes up and we head downstairs and we have really slow mornings. Um, this is the luxury of home educating is that we don't need to rush out of the house and be anywhere. And so, you know, I put the coffee on, she potters around, we listen to some music, we hang out, we read some books, we have breakfast together, um, look at some art together. It's just, it's a really dreamy way to spend the day. And again, this has been, um, it hasn't happened by accident. I've been really intentional in trying to create a really strong morning rhythm for us because I knew that it would be the best start of the day um but yeah at the morning it's mornings but I do realize that that sounds probably unbearably smug so sorry to your listeners (laughs) it's really interesting that you say you weren't a morning person before because when I asked you this question I had a very strong feeling that you were going to talk about your mornings (laughs) I know and like I really really wasn't I mean I think to anyone who knew me pre-children will just be like who are you these days what do you mean you get up you know I've always been someone who kind of snoozed my alarm constantly was always late for everything could never do anything in the mornings um but somehow I think I think it's about kind of finding something to get out of bed for yeah and something that you feel really driven to do um I think also you know and I won't this is a a whole different topic for another day um but I think it's having finally that intrinsic motivation of being your own boss and being in charge of what you do of your day and feeling kind of good about what you do um that finally I feel like yeah I want to get up each day because I'm my head is full of ideas and I've got loads of stuff that I want to do and I've got people that I want to reply to and I want to hang out with my daughter and I really want that cup of coffee as well (laughs) I feel the same about mornings now. And I also especially love Mondays, which is another thing, you know, Yes. (laughs) another one of those things. But I love Monday for me. No more Sunday night dread. Yeah, it's so full of possibility. Yes, absolutely. Right. Okay. final question. Where can people go to find out more about you and the work that you do? So I am on Instagram at mighty mother underscore. Um, I blog at FridaBeMighty.com and I have a Facebook group called A Beautiful Childhood. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. It would really help me and the podcast if you could take a moment to review, rate and subscribe. I'd also really love to hear from you on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite, where I like to get a bit philosophical about online business. And you can find me on my website, ruthpoundwhite.com, where you can read the episode show notes, subscribe to my behind the scenes newsletter, or read more about my own experience of running a creative online business.